Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Hey everybody, this is Gunnar Mothin with Monster X Radio. The rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. I have not uh, been kidnapped by aliens. I am actually was working for the government in a secret project called the Census. (laughs) So um, that kept me really busy. Are you counting Sasquatch? uh, Are you Census uh, of Sasquatch or people? Just curious. Just people. Just people. So there were some areas that I went to where taking a Sasquatch census, there was probably more Sasquatches in some of the areas that I went than people. So, yeah. And uh, as you heard with me tonight is my good friend, Shane Hardcore Corson. I bet nobody's called you Hardcore in a while, Shane. No, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to? I, I've been not been spending a lot of time in the woods this this year, uh, we had, you know, the whole COVID debacle and wildfires here in Oregon and and with work and just it's been kind of, you know, I, as it has been with everybody, it's been a crazy 2020. You've had some really cool stuff that's uh, happened up there in Washington. Obviously, we've done a couple of shows. You and, and Todd Hale shared your adventures up there in, in uh, Washington state. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but, but what, what have you been up to Shane? Been trying to survive Gunner. I've been trying to survive like everybody <laughs> else. You know, it's, it's a crazy 2020. Everybody keeps talking about, uh, you know, Oh, can we for 2020 to be over? And now we're like going to go through this through 2021. And I just don't see an end to this chaos. What kind of what we're going through right now, unfortunately, uh, hopefully. But uh, what was a meme I, I saw recently that like said, what if 2021 is like, hey, here, 2020, hold my beer. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a scary, uh, it's a scary meme. Uh, but you know what? We, we may be facing that sort of scenario, unfortunately. So, you know, like everybody else, uh, been dealing with uh, this pandemic, have been dealing with uh, work dealing with life. But, you know, fortunately for me, 
I made the move to Washington back in 2017. It's been a real blessing. It's been a real good thing because where I live, I'm very in a rural area. I can get out and and go hiking and and I'm not too far away from a lot of our research areas. So that's been a real uh, true blessing and, and something uh, that my family's really enjoyed. And so what I've been up to recently, though, uh, you know, work and 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 uh, trying to survive and all that, uh, I've been out hunting. So I'm a hunter. I, I like to hunt, uh, especially with my, my good friend and, and uh, Olympic Project partner, Derek Randalls. We've been out hunting back in uh, the uh, latter part of October, which is a uh, modern rifle season up here in Washington. We hit it hard, unfortunately, and we're blacktail hunters. You know, I got my elk tag and my bear tag and cougar tag and all that. I'm not really... Uh, I'll, I'll talk about some black bear experiences here in a sec, but not really after black bear. Um, not really after elk. I could, I was really after blacktail. It's uh it's, it's a harder species of deer to hunt, especially in these areas in the Olympics and whatnot. It's a harder species to hunt. And um, it, you, you feel uh, for me, you know, you take down a blacktail and you feed your family, you put meat in the freezer, but you feel like you accomplished something. So uh, unfortunately up here, or fortunately, you know, I, it's kind of a funny thing. Usually, you know, it rains so much up here in the Pacific Northwest. You're kind of like, I want some sun. Well, we got it. We got a lot of sun up here, a lot of nice days. And But when you're a hunter, especially going after blacktail, you're wanting those miserable kind of rainy, wet, soggy days so that it muffles your sound, it muffles your scent. And also that's when a lot of these blacktail, whether it's a doe or, or a buck, they start moving around. And we just had really a lot of nice weather in not really seeing a whole lot of anything moving around. You know, I have a few friends that got their buck, uh, but the vast majority of hunters I ran into or spoken with. Yeah. They're, they're like, man, this weather is, you know, it's awesome, but it sucks because it just makes for very difficult hunting. Uh, now, um, while I was out hunting, did, I did have a few unique things happen. I believe, uh, like I said, if I was hunting bear, my season would have been over a while ago. I jumped to bear. Uh, I was, I'm a pretty, pretty good sneaker. You know, I like to, I, I still hunt and, uh, and I, I do a lot of different methods. Sometimes I'll walk very slowly and, and hunt that way. Other times I will make myself a blind, you know, I'll find a nice stump and sit behind a, a stump and, and watch a valley or, or, or a, a cut line, timber line. This time around, you know, I was really adamant. Okay, well, I need to be on the move because nothing's popping out. I need to jump something or, you know. So um, twice now I've jumped bear. Uh, one time I got growled at. It was fairly close. I never saw it, but I knew it was a bear. I couldn't tell if it was a sow with cubs. So I just, I, you know, I, I'm not after bear. I just, uh, like I would during the regular, you know, just during the, uh, you know, out hiking, whatever. I'll leave it alone. I'll walk away. That's what I did. And then just uh, the last day of hunting season, I thought uh, it was early morning too, because I start hunting before daylight, like a lot of people do. And I'll hunt the evenings as well when deer are more, you know, more on the move. Was out uh, in this area and uh, was walking up this trail. And just after daylight, I could start to see, and I heard something moving in the, the brush. And I thought, oh, shoot, this could be a buck. And I, I start watching this thing. And it's, I'm seeing the huckleberry move. I'm not, and I'm not seeing anything else. Huckleberry movement, it would stop and then it would keep going in the same direction. And usually when I jump a blacktail, uh, you know, especially, um, you know, like a buck, they'll, you may spook them and they'll, you know, they'll go a couple, a couple of yards, you know, hop, hop, skip or, or run through the woods and stop. And then they'll, they'll do the same thing. 
thinking that they're either concealed or you don't see them or they're trying to see what you're trying to do. This thing kept going. It would stop and it kept going. I'm pretty in. And then I, I'm yeah, it was a bear. No doubt about it. So managed jump bear, not my quarry before that. The interesting thing I wanted to get to was that you hear a lot of stories, hunters having uh, Sasquatch encounters, obviously this time of year, at least up in uh, Washington and Oregon, you do in certain areas, you do have a lot of huckleberry present. You know, I've been out hunting. It's been a lot of huckleberry, a lot of other berries. Uh, you got mushrooms and just a lot of food out there. And you got, of course, these salmon runs still, you know, different, different uh, salmon runs um, where now they're pretty much spawned out, spawned out up here. So you got a lot of carcasses and you got a few stragglers coming up these streams, easy pickings. And you hear a lot of hunters having these Sasquatch encounters this time of year. Makes a lot of sense to me uh, based on the, the food sources and the relatively temperate weather we have up here in the Pacific Northwest, up, uh, you know, up in the Olympics. I mean, in these lower elevations, you do have a lot of great weather. So uh, I was fortunate. Uh, to have had a couple of experiences, uh, no sightings or anything of that nature. But over a span of a week on two different occasions, I heard vocals and they both, it's kind of funny. Both of them happened towards the end of our day. We're talking, oh, seven, seven thirty in the evening. And the second one was probably, oh, uh, five thirty in the evening. Uh, the first uh, vocal things that I heard uh, I was out hunting with uh, Derek Randalls and uh, a fellow partner of ours, uh, Matthew Jones. And uh, we we had a, a central point to meet up where we parked the truck and we hiked in. We all were supposed to meet back at the truck at a certain hour. And I got there first. I got there a little bit early and it was about 730 at night. It was dark by then. And I'm standing by Derek's truck as he drove us out. And I heard this, you know, what uh, would sound like the Ohio howl, just a distant sound like the Ohio howl, but not quite as long. And I thought, did I just hear that? Now, I did have my recorder going, uh, as I always do when I'm out hunting, because I like to have, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, David Ellis always tells you, whatever you're doing, you're out in the woods, bring your recorder. And so I did have my recorder going. I had uh, had it in my pocket. So it's a little bit muffled, the beginning of that recording, and perhaps we'll play it here on the show. It's a little bit muffled, but then you hear the rest of it pretty clear. And the funny thing was, though Derek Randall's never heard this, Matthew Jones was probably several hundred yards away, making his way back to the, the meetup location at Derek's truck. He, he heard it. And when he got back to the truck, I asked him, we were talking for a few minutes and I said, Hey, did you, did you hear anything? He's like, yeah, I heard this like long howl. And uh, it, it was fairly distant, but it was very, very interesting giving the location we're in and, and uh, knowing that there really wasn't anybody else out in this area whatsoever. So that was, that was interesting. The second time, and this was about four days later, same area, same area. We we're meeting up with the truck and I, it was still daylight and uh, we were meeting up a little bit earlier. So I made it to the truck first and I decided to check out this trail. I hadn't been down. So I walk about, Oh, probably 70, 80 yards away knowing I had about uh 10 minutes or so to meet back up the trucks. They got there a little bit early and I get down this trail and I hear uh, this, this really familiar yet odd whistle, just a, I mean, very human like course. I, I'm not doing it justice. Human like course whistle. 
And instantly that the hair raised up on my arms because I was like, wow, not only is that close, but I felt it. I felt that whistle. That was not a bird. Wasn't a cat. I'm like, wow. And I'm, I'm realizing I'm about, you know, 70, 80 yards away from the truck. And it was close. And it came from a very, very thick part of uh, this hillside that was, you know, once again, thick and huckleberry. Uh, you can't, you can't see anything in there. It's very thick, six, seven, eight feet off the ground. And I went, wow, okay. Well, I personally told, I've said this on the show before, I don't like whistles. Usually when you hear a whistle that you maybe associate with a Sasquatch or at least something you're not familiar with, I've always had bad experiences. So I heard this whistle and, whoa, okay. It's interesting. And then I'm, I'm kind of making my way back to the truck slowly. I'm listening, I'm listening. And I hear this, whoop. And it came from, came from the right of that whistle. And uh, I, that whoop was clear as day. It was a very crystal clear whoop. And I knew Derek wasn't in this area. I knew that actually it was just the two of us that day. Matthew Jones wasn't hunting with us. He only came out with, uh, with us to hunt the one day. Then I got a little weirded out because I, I just had the impression that I was uh, just the impression that I was being surrounded or, or you know, and, and, you know, I know it's a mental thing, you know, because when I go out hunting, I'll hunt, I'll be dropped off way before the, you know, an hour before daylight. And I have to get from point A to point B. So I'm going through the woods or logging trails or where I'm going in the complete darkness. And on your way back at night, you're doing the same thing. I mean, at night when you're done hunting, you turn on a light, you know, so, you know, you know things mess with your brain. And, you know, I'm, I consider myself a pretty, pretty, pretty brave guy, but not stupid. So, uh, I just got an uneasy feeling when I was out there that time with that whistle and that whoop. So I'm heading back towards the truck and after hearing this stuff and I thought, about, Oh, should I go investigate it? But the, you're going to, what are you going to walk into a bunch of thick huckleberry with no exact direction. And uh, you probably won't see anything anyways. Maybe you will, you know, uh, but I, I decided to make my way back to the truck because it was getting dark and here comes Derek Randall's up the trail. And Derek's looking at me because I stopped and I was listening. He's like, hey, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, man, I just, I heard the, the oddest whistle and a whoop. I'm like, did you hear anything? He's like, well, I'm coming down the trail. And I heard like a, a kind of a scream, which I never heard. He heard some sort of scream or coming up the trail. And uh, he just looked at me. He's like, huh, okay. I, I just kind of passed it off. And I said, well, I, this is what I heard. So I, I walked back down the trail because uh, I was curious now. I'm like, okay. And never heard anything else after that. but. Unfortunately, that time I did not get that on a recorder. I did. I was full hunting mode and I did not, I did have a recorder with me, but I didn't have it going. I had it going during most of the day and I turned it off. I uh, figured uh, Derek was going to be back any minute now and I was wrong. <laughs> so no, that was recorded. I did get that long howl. The first one I heard uh, four days prior recorded. So point being is I can't say any of that was Sasquatch related, but it was very odd. Um, it didn't sound like anything that I was familiar with. And it sounded very much like some of the other stuff that we've had, re we've recorded in the past. Sound like other stuff that in conjunction with other stuff that we recorded in the past. So, and we're in areas where there's been sightings um, and, in reports and, and tracks found and stuff like that. Cause a lot of the areas we hunt, you know, it's also areas where we do, you know, sometimes we do research in, or we've gotten reports from. So it made perfect sense that maybe if what I heard was Sasquatch related, that they would be in this area because it's very temperate. You know, you got deer and bear obviously moving through these areas and cats. We got a couple of, we got a nice cougar on camera up there. 
but you have all the huckleberry. I mean, the huckleberry uh, then, we've had some frost now. I, I guarantee there's still huckleberry in these areas, but we had some frost recently, so that's going to start killing off all that huckleberry and other berries out there. But really, relatively speaking, temperate, remote, and beautiful makes perfect sense. Yeah, just I was. It's uh, the first time I've been out hunting and heard anything like those vocals, and to have other individuals around you hear stuff while hunting really added an element of. Um, you know, collaboration there. And so, I mean, they weren't familiar with that stuff either. Those, those sounds other than, you know, maybe what we associate with Sasquatch. So yeah, Gunner, that's uh, what I've been up to lately. Uh, we'll get into some other stuff here um, that I've been obviously jumping on a, a bunch of other different podcasts to um, talk about a recent documentary uh, that uh, myself and a few others from the Olympic project have, uh, or did partake in uh, that's now on Amazon and a few other sites and, and locations. So yeah, that's basically what I've been up to Gunner. You, do you have any plans to get out and, and, and uh, do anything? Well, I'm hoping to get back to um, our original Tillamook research area and follow up on some information that I got uh, quite a while back from Cliff Berrickman. It always sucks when life gets in the way of, of, you know, your big footing. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I feel like this year has been with all, especially with all the other weird stuff that's been going on. So yeah, I, I'm wanting to get out. Uh, uh, actually drove through uh, our research area this last week and uh, didn't see any Bigfoot, but I did have a deer run across the road in front of me. So it was, um, there is wildlife up there. Uh, I know that uh, our good friend Larry has, Still had some weird stuff happen up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's some blogging going on up there right now. So I mean, because I'm pretty sure that there's, we've had some experiences up there that were Bigfoot related, though I did not see Bigfoot, but some of the things that have just happened. And it's funny talking about whistling that brought back the night that Larry and I were walking down the trail and we both heard um, whistling coming from different directions and then got trailed out. So like, yeah, that. And then you, you know, you always wouldn't, you always associate whistling with something bad happening. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a bad oh, omen. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, between so, uh, my time in Tillamook, Larry and I had a, and, and I've talked about this on the show as well before about uh, mm-hmm. hearing whistles and, and uh, nothing necessarily bad happened. Cody, the, the do- Cody uh, Larry's dog acted yeah. very weird. And, and then, of course, uh, my time up in Mount Hood, uh, hearing whistles, had the tree come over near our camp, and now I'm hearing so. Right, it just seems a it's kind of like a bad omen. I'm I don't know exactly what the whistle means. If it's you know if it's got to do with Sasquatch, I lean that way. But uh, mm-hmm. th- this particular whistle, and then you know, working with uh, the, the likes of Chris Spencer and, and other individuals that have had whistle experiences, they've had the same sort of uh, experience where. Uh, nothing great happens afterwards. Uh, and, and I'm sure that's not everybody's <laughs> experience, but that's been mine where these peculiar, um, almost human-like, but coarse whistles. And that one I heard back in late October, I felt that whistle. It was, it is you know, it's almost like people would describe when you hear like a certain roar, you know, from a Sasquatch or and they feel it, you know, Cindy Dosen comes mm-hmm. up, she got her roar up there and, in uh, Vancouver Island, she felt it, you know, and just reverberated around her body. This whistle, like I felt it, and I, my, like I said, my hair stood up on my arms. It, would, I just felt it. I was like, wow, that was like a crazy, mm. powerful whistle. I don't know. 
you know, I can't really describe it, but uh, yeah. So whistles, uh, whistles are weird in that manner. When you hear one of that caliber and that nature. I'm interested in what the project that uh, you took part in with uh, OP and uh, this documentary that you've been on going on podcasts recently with, like you said, David Ellis. I know that there was one recently where Dr. Meldrum was also there and Derek has participated called Sasquatch among wild men. Can you tell the monster X listeners a little bit about how that came about and, and what it's about? Let's uh, get in that a little bit. Yeah. So be honest with you, I've not, I've yet, uh, it is out on uh, Amazon prime and you can buy the DVD and, and it's uh, other avenues. I, I couldn't tell you every, I couldn't tell you where to watch it. You'd have to just look it up. Uh, Sasquatch Among Wildmen. But basically, uh, well, about a year ago, uh, at one of these uh, symposiums, I was approached by an individual from Canada named Darcy Weir. And he's a, a documentarian. Um, he does a lot of different stuff. He does stuff with like UFOs and, and, and Bigfoot. And I mean, not combined, but he does a lot of different paranormal or and, uh, cryptid related stuff. And Thanks very for nice. clarifying that, by the way. Oh, yeah, I, ha- I have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's dead. If you listen to any interview that Darcy Weir does, he'll tell you he believes they're completely separate, but very interesting. And he, you know, just like a lot of people, they're interested in the weird, the paranormal, the cryptids, all that stuff. I mean, just fascination, you know, ancient Egypt, all that stuff. This guy is that just interested in. I'll tell you what, he's such a gentleman, uh, just a fantastic guy. I love his accent. You know, he's, he sounds American until he starts saying, you know, you know, uh, a, 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 a and different <laughs> things. I a. just love it. Yeah. So, but anyways, he approached me over a year ago and said, would I be interested in doing something, you know, joining a, a documentary? And he sent me a link to a documentary he did from, I think it was either 2016 or 2017, where he had uh, Dr. Meldrum from Idaho State University uh, join him. And I watched that documentary. And the name escapes me. Uh, I'll maybe put a link um, when I post the show. But I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great little documentary. I, I was like, wow, okay, well, this is something I'd be proud to, to join in on. You know, a lot of us uh, turn them down all the time, especially major networks. I like, you know, like Seth Breedlove stuff and, and Darcy Weir stuff. I like documentaries and, and stuff that nature where you know the direction, you know what the, the 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 producer is about. You join some of these shows on TV and we turn them down all the time. I've turned down. I'm not going to go into names, and but I've had friends join them and, you know, God bless them. Go do what you want. Uh, but we turn them down all the time all the time and so, because they don't give you creative control they don't uh, they want this they want rights to that and i just and and you know and they'll maybe sometimes they'll offer you a little bit of money you know for clips or audio or whatever rarely do they offer you and they'll maybe tri- pay your travel expenses rarely do you make any money off of these short-term documentaries or reality shows very rarely i usually turn them down as does the Olympic project in general because they're not going to put a good portrayal or, or light, you know, light on what we're doing or what the subjects of matter is about. The only reason we really do any of this stuff, not for our 15 minutes of fame. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Really just, just a platform to talk about some of the stuff we're doing, some of our work, some of our beliefs, our approach, and highlight some of that and, and maybe get more people interested, maybe get academia, scientists interested because they got something to watch now. For us, it's all about the platform. You got a good platform. Well, um, you're asking us to, to provide something for you, then at least show the stuff in the light that we're trying to, you know, provide it with. You don't don't mess with it. So, I was proud to uh, 
to join it with Darcy Weir. And I managed to get a hold of uh, David Ellis and Derek Randalls uh, to join me. Uh, knowing that Dr. Meldrum was already a part of this, Darcy Weir had gone out to Idaho and filmed with Dr. Meldrum, uh, extensively with Dr. Meldrum. Dr. Meldrum's a huge part of this documentary. While we were up at the Sasquatch Summit last year in Ocean Shores, Washington, back in November, uh, just, you know, relatively short time from when uh, the whole pandemic set in. Darcy Weir happened to, you know, he he showed up and he interviewed uh, Derek Randalls and David Ellis and myself. And um, though I wish we had more time to to record with him, we managed to get a, some really good segments in there. And I provided Darcy Weir with some photos and some material for his show, which I've never done before. But Darcy Weir really did a good job. So I wanted to provide him with some you know, something he could just beside us talking on it on TV, on his documentary. I wanted to provide some, some visual background stuff so people could look at, you know, and there's a lot of the stuff that we share at these symposiums. So for some, it won't be new for some, for many, it will be, if you watch the documentary, you'll, you'll see a lot of different photos. And, and, uh, as I'm explaining certain things, you'll see, you'll, you get to visually see what I'm explaining rather than me just waving my arms around, you know, like a, a, a Muppet and, uh, talking. So, that that I think that's kind of unique and neat. I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I know uh, Darcy Weir interviews um, some individuals from uh, China and I th- believe from Russia, and uh, he talks about nests being found in other countries. And I know Darcy Weir in this interview in this documentary talks about you know, uh, and I don't know the exact angle that he's coming from, but I think I do. Uh, but I, I got to watch it before I really comment. But he was talking about you know the Bering Strait, the the, the land bridge that connected. North America, uh, originally, um, you know, up through Alaska and in Russia and in China and all the, you know, so this Bering Land Bridge that maybe these the Yerin and the Almas or uh, say the the Bombal Snowman as they call it or the Yeti, uh, maybe there was a maybe they're all related and there's connection and people are describing the same sort of thing, basically, and they're finding the same sort of stuff: tracks, hair, nests. Maybe there's a correlation there. I think that's the approach he came from. I've yet to see, like I said, this whole documentary. I've seen it bits and pieces that have been shared with me. Um, I just have to sit down and watch it. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it uh, with Dr. Meldrum being on board with this, uh, anything he does, I'm pretty much um, right aboard with that for the most part. And then having Derek talk about his encounter, Derek shares his encounter and some other stuff on this documentary. And David Ellis gets into audio. Gets into audio and spectrographs and or spectrograms and, and uh, visually looking at audio that is so underappreciated and not really shared or talked about on uh, any sort of Bigfoot-related TV show or documentary. Uh, for me, it's something that needs to be shared more more of uh, and talked about more of. And uh, I was really stoked that David Ellis got a chance to kind of get it, delve into that. And, and uh, Darcy Weir gave him that platform to discuss we could all listen to audio, right? And get excited about listening to audio, but have, has anybody stopped and looked at audio? I mean, and, and he explains how he does it. And I thought that was, that was really neat. And, and it's about time that that was a, a topic of discussion and a topic that uh, a documentary um, included in their, in their, their uh, production. Well, that's awesome because you big footers, myself included, like to consume all things Bigfoot and, and uh, a lot of, times were disappointed with uh you know what people put together i know like you said you guys the olympic project does get approached all the time 
with different projects and um, to have something that uh, sounds like it's a winner. I'm looking forward to uh, watching it. It's all over uh, basically anywhere that uh, you can watch video on, on the internet, you can find it while you were, were uh, talking about your experience doing it. I uh, looked it up and there are previews, uh, you know, and uh, it's on Amazon and, and all over the place. So, um, yeah. Give it a give it a watch. We'll put a link in the underneath this this uh, episode that uh, you can go and and give it a give it a ch- check it out. At least we'll put a link in there for the preview, and you can decide for yourself. But if you are into Bigfoot, as I know, if you're listening to this, you must be. This looks like a good uh, uh, documentary that's done with uh, out that tongue in cheek thing that is such an, an annoyance to. <laughs> To yes, uh, exactly people that, that that are you know take the subject seriously. I like being entertained by Bigfoot stuff, you know, but that's not in a documentary. And I hate when people are you know come at it with that, like it's a newscast where they make fun of it, and that, that irritates me. As I I'm sure I'm I'm not alone in that. I know that people that that uh, have had experiences and then they they see that crap is it's annoying. Yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, so, yeah. don't want to. Yeah, I, I don't personally want to partake in any of that stuff. And I'm sure you don't, mm-hmm. Gunner. And, and I know I can speak for not just the OP, but for a lot of people either watching or partaking in it. They don't want to be involved in that stuff. They, you know, they, right. they, they. A lot of people take this subject matter serious, and and at least if they take it semi-serious, they just they want to see something uh, less tongue in cheek, as you said, and, and more, uh, you know, on, on that, you know, more National Geographic, like, or at least a, a series look and not, uh, not a silly, a silly thing. You go find out on YouTube or anywhere else. So I think, um, Darcy Weir did a great job with, uh, with this, this, uh, documentary and, um, you know, Sasquatch among wild men. I was going to mention one of his other works, uh, maybe some of you guys are familiar with it. It's on, um, I believe it's on Amazon prime and, and many other things maybe even on youtube by now it's called the unwanted sasquatch and the the uh, unwanted is spelled u-n-w-o-n-t-e-d sasquatch so the unwanted sasquatch so this documentary is kind of like a follow-up to that documentary and i really enjoyed the unwanted sasquatch so uh, that was the one that darcy weir had shared with me originally I, hey, this is well done and uh, i'd be honored to uh, help out and i'm honored that you asked me to be a part of it. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, that, that's that check it out and, uh, hopefully you enjoy it. If not, uh, sorry, <laughs> but I think you will. It's good to see another, uh, good documentary. Not that you can't mix the, one of the best examples where, where entertainment was mixed in with Bigfoot was finding Bigfoot to me. I mean, I, there were some things that I, I thought were, you know, Farcical. I mean, they when they put Bobo in a dress, that was a little much for me. Uh, but <laughs> seeing Bobo in a dress, I don't know. It might have still been worth it. But uh, the overall, I always like refer to Finding Bigfoot as you know this this generation's in search of that it brought an awareness of of uh, the subject to the masses basically. And uh, so I have a large appreciation, and for the most part, there was a lot of serious there was a lot of good stuff in finding bigfoot it's funny because when i i i've joked in the past that like when i saw bobo in the dress you know that's when finding bigfoot had jumped the shark which means the episode the, the series is not 
much longer. They have that, you know, oh, what was it when they had uh, the Martian come on the Flintstones? You know, that the Flintstones had had jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I, said, I I liked finding Bigfoot. It was entertaining, and and you had to take it for what it was. It was it was a TV show. Their appeal was to a broader audience to, than just Bigfooters. So, of course, yeah, and that, and then you yeah. know to, these these production companies that work for you know you know major uh, productions, you know major networks. Uh, I get it. They have to. They have to hone in on not just the Sasquatch group, but they have to reach a broader audience. Otherwise, the show's cut. They 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 don't get to keep doing what they're doing, especially when it comes to either reality shows or short-term series. Uh, they have to. I get it, but uh, they're still. Uh, and this is something. I mean, I take to the bank, and I really, uh, I really think about because Derek and I, Randall's and I, talk about this. You know, look at the success of such a show as Deadliest Catch. And if you're not familiar with Deadliest Catch, it's uh, basically a, a show about different boats that do a lot of crabbing out of Alaska, out of the Bering Strait. Very, very dangerous waters. Uh, these groups, these captains on these different boats take their crews out and they go for, you know, different uh, species of crab. And it's, uh, it's basically honest in your face stuff. You get to know the captains. You get to know the crew. You get to listen to them on their good days. You get to hear them on the bad days. These captains will yell at the production crews, like, get that beep out of my way. You see the dangers. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. so basically, to me, that is like, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Dilly's Catch. I used to work on a crabbing boat for uh, about a year and uh, not up in Alaska. Uh, but, um, and I, I understand a lot where they're going through, but you don't really need to fake anything. You don't need to add anything. Uh, I mean, the, your worry, your biggest issue there is editing because you have so much material. <laughs> so I think you get the right, uh, if they want to do something of that nature, you get the right group or individuals together and you do something like that. You know, uh, if you're going to do a real good production, a real good cult reality or whatever, you do something like along, along the lines of Deadliest Catch and you have yourself a winner winner. Get to know the individuals that are actually out there researching their backgrounds, where they're going, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and and let them be themselves. Don't try to coerce them into being something they're not. Let them be themselves, you know, but get a solid group together. They're actually going to maybe accomplish something or find some really unique stuff and and um, don't plant evidence. Don't do any of that. There's no need. Yeah. You get the right area with the right people. Um, it that that will sell. I'd watch that because I'm I love like you Sasquatch related stuff. But that's something you know. I just I think of Daily's Catch. Just what an amazing show, and it's one of the longest, if not the longest running, uh, reality show or reality TV out there because it's so captivating and it's dangerous and it's unique and it's different. And so, for the future, I wish some more producers would um, would look at that and, and and networks would look at that angle rather than. You know, this quick shock and awe and, oh, you know, uh, yeah. anyways, done. Done with my spiel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the hairiest catch. I like it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the hairiest uh... catch. There you go. <laughs> that's like, hey, there you go. There you go. There you go. The hairiest so, catch. That's funny. But uh, there, there is a thirst for for the information, but there is, like, again, balancing the entertainment value because, you know, sitting around watching people sit around the fire and and wandering through the woods, you're going to have to spend a lot of time in the woods doing that to get that. That was one of the things that really worked with Finding Bigfoot. And I'm not here just to you either like Finding Bigfoot or you didn't. I liked it 
the, they came up with a formula that worked with the town halls and then interviewing witnesses and then going and picking a location. That's something they could do every week. You know, it's just coming together and finding a way to. And I, then it kind of felt, you know, after a while, like, wait, they had stuff happen there. <laughs> Go back to that location. Don't leave. Go back to the location where right. stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, that was the nature of the show. So finding something and they experimented that w- with one location with a, another more recent Bigfoot reality. And I'm putting air quotes for that show. And I'm not going to mention the name of the show because I was severely disappointed in the outcome and uh, not, you know, uh, the idea of, of, yeah, the premise of putting a group in one location and uh, seeing what happens over a period of time, I think. And again, you spend enough time out in the woods with you, you know, something you're going to have some the stuff that's interesting. You spent a, our, our group up in, in Tillamook had over, but again, it was over quite a period of time had some stuff that I think would make us, uh, somebody watching TV make the hair. I know that it certainly made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> I'm just talking about, so you you can talk about the unknown stuff, but I think a, a lot of good TV is the known stuff. You know, you get on TV running into a bear or a cougar or, uh, you know, um, a difficult scenario uh, area you got to traverse through. Sky's the limit there. And it'd be good TV. You know, I'm not really my forte to partake in. I'm more about uh, short-term stuff and definitely want to. I don't know. Uh, want to, I want a platform. Got- and I, no, I'm, I'm too interested in the Sasquatch phenomenon. I, I want to study. I, I don't have time to do TV and I don't have any energy or find short-term stuff, but. Yeah, uh, get, get there's a lot of other great investigators, groups, and research. You, great, you got a great face for TV, though. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. As far as uh, yeah, you got a you got a great face for radio. <laughs> that's no, that's 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 what they tell me. Is that you got a face for radio? Thanks. Nope. Yeah, but you you can never say never because you know somebody approached you with the opportunity to go do actual Bigfoot research in the manner that uh, is acceptable to you, but, and you could be in the woods. I, the, the balance there is because, you know, you, you have a family at home. We have families at home. So it would be difficult to, to go out and, and hang out in the, and be separated for an indefinite period of time. But I'm I capable, guess that's but what happens that's, yeah, that's never yeah, going to happen. Not desirable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not, not desirable. Not yeah. yeah, I mean, I rather, I rather, yeah. you know, have the equipment and the time and and the know how to get out there and do stuff and uh, not worry about a, yeah. a camera following me around. You know, if you're gonna do something like I, that, I might as well do the, Survivor Man stuff it, and have a camera with you and you do your own work and send them the material. True. He said a few interesting things happen. Yes, uh, not bad. Nothing definitive, but yeah, yeah. I mean. I always thought that the you know the idea of the Falcon Project for those of you that don't remember that you're uh, haven't been listening to Monster X long enough because the Falcon Project was this um, idea of having uh, a group come together and uh, go to a specific location for a period of time and they would stay in there and only come out for supplies or have supplies brought into them and they were going to have a the thing, the part of it, which I thought was a good premise, the idea of having a uh, an airship that I thought w- was 
though it might have been neat, it, it was kind of unnecessary. But uh, yeah, I like the idea of the Falcon Project, and that that could have been a good TV. People being in the woods for a long period of time in an area that had a history. But yeah, I I'm looking forward. I am going to watch Sasquatch Among Wild Men, and uh, I know I'll see some friendly faces there, some familiar faces. Um, I'm going to go back. I actually had not heard of the unwanted, wanted Sasquatch. Uh, that kind of reminds me of what something that like Julie's experienced would be called. Right, she's, yeah. she's the unwanted Sasquatch witness <laughs> or uh, Donna experienced. You know, she she was definitely had an unwanted Sasquatch in her very backyard. So, folks, if you are interested, look at we'll put the link in here to go check it out. Yes. And uh, you can leave comments below about what uh, what your feedback is on on the documentary. But be kind. <laughs> um, Shane, is there anything else? What uh, anything else you've been up to, or you want to? I know you have a another podcast you have to be on this evening. I do. So, yeah, I, I got I got to run here. I got a, another interview for that documentary uh, coming up here in about oh, a little bit over an hour. So yeah, got to yeah, run. So but, you got, uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely will be. Uh, Definitely, we'll be getting out to the back out to the woods here. I, I'm doing the, the the late season hunting thing. It's only for four days. In between there, I, I will be back up in the Olympics, um, joining some uh, friends, uh, social distancing, <laughs> but uh, joining some friends out, out in the woods, um, doing some stuff up there. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, pandemic aside and all this chaos, uh, the next couple of months, just because it's a good time of year. From here on out through, say, March, because, uh, you know, February, late February is when we came across that new nest site. So uh, got some stuff on there on the uh, down the road here, some stuff on the horizon to get into. So that's what I will be up to uh, focus on hunting here for a couple of days at the end of the week. And after that, uh, back to uh, my uh, original passion until next time. All right. Well, Shane, thanks for uh, uh, joining me today. We'll be back soon with another episode of Monster X Radio. And uh, until then, keep it squatchy, everybody. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.